Well, once again, the world is preparing for Christmas, and it seems as if everybody I know, uh, and maybe you as well, uh, is busy preparing for the season. You know, making up lists, checking them twice, trying to figure out who's been naughty, who's been nice. It is a very frantic time of year, and, and yet it was as frantic last year as it is this year. And it was as frantic the year before, and the year before, and the year before, and the year before. One commentator uh, described Christmas as an endurance contest, a gauntlet that we run through an avalanche of appointments and events before we finally arrive. Uh, my, one of my favorite theologians, as you may know, is Irma Bombeck. And she wrote, I'm showing my age, that she wrote this, in anticipation of this season. She goes, that clicking sound you hear about this time is the result of millions of husbands pushing the panic button. They are pushing it because they are hours away from Christmas and still have no gift for, uh, what's her name, the mother of his four children. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he's in trouble. Uh, Christmas does come with a rush, doesn't it? And I would suspect that in the next few weeks you might find yourself Uh, stopping for just a moment and then asking yourself the question, what's this all about again? Someone please remind me why I'm doing this one more time like I did last year. It's almost as if Christmas is deep down inside just begging to come out and waiting to be discovered all over again. And and, and it, it requires a question for it to erupt. In his delightful book, All I Really Needed to Know, I learned in kindergarten, uh, Robert Fulgham described a year in his life where Christmas just ran right by and he never did get into the spirit, never did pause, just blew right by him. In fact, it wasn't really until the middle of August that he actually got around to opening his Christmas cards. What happened was that he was cleaning his attic when he stumbled over a box that was full of unopened envelopes, and it was tucked away behind a bunch of Christmas decorations. He had forgotten that they were there. So he decided right then and there to take a break, and he grabbed a cold glass of lemonade and headed out to the backyard and put a CD of Christmas carols on his boombox. He, he settled into a lawn chair, and he turned up the volume, and he began to open the cards. Listen to what he writes. He said, here it all was, suddenly, Angels and snow and wise men and candles and pine boughs and shepherds and stars and at the center, the Christ child. And and it all hit me at one moment and all I could do was cry. Here it was, August, and Christmas had finally arrived. (laughs) You never know when it's going to happen like that. It's impossible to predict such things, but the fact remains that in Christmas... God has already delivered a gift that was intended just for you with every intention that it will arrive. And when it arrives, we'll open your heart. You see, the Bible likened Christmas to being like the shining, the sudden shining of a great light. In the book of Isaiah, at the beginning of chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 9, the scene is set of people who are walking in darkness suddenly seeing a great light, and, 
and those who are living in a land of the shadow of death, upon them the light has come. What a way to describe the whole experience of discovery. How the arrival of Christmas comes like a sudden burst of light and an inspiration that somehow blows away the darkness that surrounds you. It's a, it's a moment of complete and utter clarity where everything suddenly makes sense. You see the light. Ask yourself, can you remember a moment when all of the pieces of life's puzzle somehow fell together for you and where things that were just fragments of truth that had been invested over time by so many different people in so many different places suddenly snapped together and then God became for you more than just a name, more than just a concept, but God for you became the unmistakable presence and without a doubt, You know that you know that you know that his presence and plan for your life made complete and utter sense. In in biblical terms, this is called epiphany or revelation. And Paul writes of this in the book of Ephesians in chapter 1. And if you have your Bibles with you as we read it this morning, I want you to turn there with me and just linger on those first few verses. Because in verse 9, Paul writes of this epiphany or revelation. He, he says in verse 9 of chapter 1, God made known. That's the word, made known, revealed, exposed, laid it out for all to see. God made known his mystery or a, a reason that was previously known only unto him. It was mysterious to us, but But he knew it, and so he revealed it, his mystery. God made known his mystery for sending Christ. Hmm, sending Christ. It kind of sounds a little bit like Christmas to you and me, doesn't it? God made known his mystery for sending Christ Notice this, a plan he decided on in mercy long ago. How long ago? Well, can you conceive of the beginning of time? Go before that. What was this mysterious plan? Go back to verse 4 in chapter 1 there. This plan that was drafted before the foundation of the world, verse 5, would be that we would become the children of God. Verse 6, that we would be blessed with the love of God. Verse 7, that we would be redeemed, forgiven, and that the riches of God's grace, in verse 8, would then be showered upon us, upon you and me. That's what the word lavish means. And even more, that we would know it, because it, it would shower down upon us, lavish upon us, everything of wisdom and insight, it would come together. And then in verse 9, it's as if all of this then erupts in the coming of Christ, Christmas, kaboom. It all comes together, of course. How could I have been so blind? It was right there in front of me all along. But now I know that I know that I know what God wanted me to know from the beginning of time. Do you know what that moment is like? Where the greatest mystery of life suddenly is solved before your eyes? 
The Apostle Paul goes on in verse 10. He said, this is God's purpose, that when the time is ripe, he will gather us all together from wherever we are in heaven and on earth under one head, even Jesus Christ our Lord. Or as the New American Standard Version puts it, the summing up of all things in Christ. This is what happens when the time is ripe and we see Jesus Christ, everything adds up. We have revelation, we have clarity. Jesus Christ is the light, even as the Bible has promised. A promise that takes us all the way back to the prophet Isaiah. What do the people see? Those who step out of of walking in the darkness and into this light, what do they see? A child who was born, a son who was given, and the ruling authority of heaven and earth, uh, the government is upon his shoulders, and he is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. And that's not just an introduction. Each and every one of those words describes an an experience of how this Jesus touches our lives. Consider the list. Is it your greatest need for something wonderful to happen to you even today? Not just something good, not just something better than good. His name is wonderful. Or maybe your need is for direction. The type that can only come from the wisest of counselors. His name is Counselor. Or maybe it's for strength, the need to be held by one who is is mightier than any other power you will find in this world. He is called the Mighty God. Or maybe it's the need for comfort, the type of understanding and belonging that will not end and cannot be taken away, a comfort of, of one that comes who is the everlasting and loving Father. All of these things and more are to be found in this one who is the Prince of Peace. And all of these things God has planned for us and has wrapped for us from time immemorial. When the poet Lawrence Hausman looked into the past as a way to discern the history of Christmas, how God originated the plan, he used a bit of poetic license to describe this moment. Light, he wrote, light looked down and beheld darkness. Thither I will go, said light. And peace looked down and beheld war. Thither I will go, said peace. Love looked down and beheld hatred. Thither I will go, said love. So came light and shone all around. So came peace and gave gentle rest. So came love and brought life eternal, for the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. (laughs) Christmas means that that God made good on on a promise to be with us. One of the treasured names of Christ we hear at Christmas is Emmanuel, God with us. And when the Word was made flesh, when the light burst forth into the darkness, when Christmas came, God took His stand in our world, a world of darkness and sorrow and struggle and pain. And when He took His stand, He intended to stay. He even said it. I am with you always, even until the end of time. From the foundation of the earth, 
to the end of time. And from his own lips, Jesus made his intentions clear. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's you and that's me. Christ came into the world at Christmas with a will and a way to do what no one else would ever be able to do. And it may seem like an impossible concept, but the record stands. At Christmas, God fulfilled his plan to enter the arena of our lives to take his stand and then to make what was disaster finally right. Some time ago, I clipped out a story told by a dad where he and his son were, were taking a walk in the woods, and, and the boy just happened to step on an anthill. Can you just picture this whole thing? If you've ever stand, uh, st- stood on an anthill, you know exactly what happens. From the ant's perspective, suddenly their world had just come to an end. From the ant's perspective, their nice orderly environment was destroyed, and the colony instantly went into overdrive. You could see that there was panic in the ant world. And the dad watched his boy as as his little tender heart broken. He desperately attempted to undo the damage that he had done with his foot. He found a stick and he began stabbing in the dirt in in a feverish attempt to reopen the hole. But you know already what's going to happen. It only made things worse. (coughs) Finally, the dad stopped his son and he asked him a question. He said, if you really want to help those poor little ants, do you know what you're going to have to do? No, Dad, what am I going to have to do? Well, you're going to have to find a way to become an ant and get down there with them and then start looking for the hole. But, Dad, that's impossible. You're right, son, the father answered. For you and me, that is impossible, but let's learn something here. Does this help you understand what God was able to do for you and for me at Christmas? He was able to do something for us that we can't even do for little bugs. Emmanuel, Christ, God with us. In the ripeness of time, in accordance to his purposes and his power, he surprised us by doing the impossible. He sent his son so that, as the Bible says, whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And you really don't have to wait for Christmas this year to open up that present that that has been wrapped up since from the very beginning. You can do it right now and do it with a heart of worship. To be able to look at that gift and and, and not wait, but to be able to say even right now, I believe. You don't have to wait for Christmas. You don't even have to wait until next August to sit in your backyard to turn on the carols. Let me take you back to that summer scene where we, we, we left Robert Fulgham. He was sitting in his backyard. He was playing the boombox. He was drinking his lemonade. He was crying as he opened up uh, the Christmas cards, and he goes on to write this. I cried. Listening to songs, reading the messages of love and joy and peace and goodwill, as fate always seems to have it, I was discovered in this condition by a neighbor <laughs> who had been attracted to the scene by the sounds of Christmas caroling in August. 
She joined me and laughed as I showed her the cards. And we had this outrageous Christmas ordeal right there on the deck in the middle of August and then sang together along with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir the final mighty strains of O Holy Night. Fall on your knees, oh hear the angel voices. In the middle of August... What can I say, he says. I guess wonder and awe and joy are always there in the attic of one's mind. Impossible, and it, and it doesn't take a lot to set it off. And much about Christmas is outrageously impossible for us, but proves to be totally possible with God. Whether it comes to you on December 25th or August or even right now. The gift is there to be opened. All you need to do is say, I believe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, you are my Lord and you are my Savior.